0: A big part when I was modeling is in those days, you would do a Polaroid to check the lighting. So it was very touched. Mm-hmm. It's so different now. <laughs> but what I think that did for me is it gave me the opportunity to see what the photographers were looking at and what were the angles and how did I need to position my body or tilt my head. And I learned how that sort of stuff works and what you're looking at from an aesthetic standpoint. So when I see someone's face, I'm looking at the structure and I don't want people to look different. I want to enhance who they are and just, you know, replace things that we might be losing over time and and doing things that are preventative so that we prevent that damage from the future, which is makes for less stuff to do later, which is great.
1: Welcome back to Bucket List Careers. Thanks so much for joining. I'm Crystal Laurie. My friend is my guest today, Emma Snowball Robinson, sharing her story with us. She's a former model turned nurse, injector, and entrepreneur who started her own practice in Stanford, Connecticut called Pure Medical Aesthetics. Emma started modeling young, spent time all over the world doing runway and print and At age 19, she was married to rock star Rich Robinson of the Black Crows. But after their divorce, Emma struggled. With no income or college degree, she said she had to reinvent herself to support her two school-age boys and find the professional purpose she feels she'd always been seeking. Motivational tips in this episode and business advice from Emma you can apply to your own second act. Let's listen. Emma, I'm so glad we got this together to have you on the show. Thanks for being here.
0: Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here.
1: I admit it's cool to have a friend who's also a bucket list career story on with me to share her journey like you. I mean, we've known each other for a few years now. I think it's about six or so. We were introduced by a mutual friend. And I feel like I've been able to observe... Your growth in terms of the business, pure medical aesthetics, and you develop in terms of your overall persona as an entrepreneur, and that's been amazing to watch. It just really lights you up, and it's obvious.
0: Oh, that's so nice. I I love what I do, so it doesn't surprise me if you notice that because it's I you know it's authentic. I can't help it.
1: Right. So it was an evolution for you to get here. You started out. In a different type of world, you were a model, you became a nurse, you founded this practice. And we want to delve into all of that and your mindsets at all those different stages in your life. But let's dial it back to the beginning. I know you started modeling really young. You were 14. You married a rock star at a young age. You were 19. And we want to hear all about that. It sounds very glamorous. But you've also been honest and told me that there were some rocky times. Take us back to your origins.
0: I started, yes, back at 14. With the modeling world, you start really young. I was in school at the time. I think I was in eighth grade still.
1: How were you discovered, actually?
0: It was actually eighth grade because that's how I was discovered. I was in a eighth grade fashion show with some of my friends, just like a fun little thing. And we used to live, I used to live in San Francisco Mm -hmm. and an agency or an agent was there who saw me. And so he came up to me after and said he wanted to represent me. And basically we started building a book of, you know, in those days you'd build your portfolio and there were the hard copy photos and you do test shots and things. Yeah. And so he took my book and ended up sending it to New York. And I ended up with an agency in New York. And then at that point, I was juggling school. So my parents were very academic. Um, My dad was a professor and my mom was a physician. So they didn't want school to sort of fall by the wayside. Right. But they supported me. And so what we do is I would go in the summers or if it was a really big job, I would take a little time off of school. By that point, I was in high school and my school was pretty understanding of everything. Yeah. So then kind of finished high school out. And then after high school, thought I was going to move to New York for a year and then go back to school. Uh, That did not happen. I moved to New York. And at the time I met um, who became my ex-husband, Rich Robinson. So Rich Robinson was in the Black Crows and they were a big band at the time touring, things like that. And we connected. And I think in some ways we connected because we were both sort of very young. I mean, he was only 23. So we were kids and sort of grabbing onto each other for some stability. So ended up getting married at 19 and then had my first son when I was 23. So that was my son, Taylor. And then four years later had my other son, Quinn. And I was a, you know, stay at home mom at that point, just raising them.
1: Right. So, I mean, honestly, the theme there is a lot of things going on in your life young. Yes. <laughs> How was that? Was that like a whirlwind? I mean, I know you were also runway, so you must have been in Milan and traveling and this is before the kids, but did you almost feel like it was moving so fast and all these life changes were happening to you? It, it sounds like a lot.
0: Absolutely. And it was, you know, it was an incredible opportunity. I worked with some of the top photographers who aren't around anymore. I worked with Arthur Elgort, Patrick DeMarche, like, big photographer. So I got to see how they do their work. I think that I learned a lot in that experience, just sort of like being in front of the camera, learning how to, you know, be be patient. <laughs> that was a big yeah. thing because it's a lot of heart and weight. But yeah, from a life standpoint, absolutely. It was sort of my life revved up very quickly. And, and probably in some ways, that's why I got married so young is sort of trying to create some sense of stability when everything was moving so fast. And I was going to Paris and going to Milan and going, to, you know, to New York at that age, you think you're mature and you think you know what you're doing. But
1: I learned very quickly that I did not. (laughs) Right. Well, who knows everything at that age? I mean, (laughs) tell me a little bit about the end of your marriage because things changed, right? And that sort of ushered in a new phase for you. I think you went back to college after you and your husband divorced. You had young boys. Things were not financially stable for you. How did you get through that? And then beyond, because I know after college, you went to nursing school, so you, you, know, you really pulled it together. But how did you get through that?
0: I had some really solid friends yeah. that really were there for me and kind of would give me that kick in the butt to keep going. And as a parent, you obviously don't have the luxury to sort of wallow and, and feel sad. You have to True. keep moving. But things were, were really difficult. I had been a stay at home mom. And at the age when I got divorced, I believe I was about 32. So at 32, I had no college degree. I had two little boys to take care of.
1: And you had given up modeling to be a stay at home mom. Is that it?
0: Exactly. And at that point, you know, you're kind of aged out of the modeling industry. You know, I retired right. per, per se or at 24. So I had to find a way to support my kids and myself and our, it was rough. I mean, our house foreclosed, we went through a lot of hardship. I think back to a lot of rough nights of how was I going to buy dinner and and basic things. Um, Unfortunately, I had really supportive parents who helped me kind of through that time. Unfortunately, throw into that, my dad had passed away at that time too. So it was a Mm. lot of, you know, instability again. And I had to sort of pull it together and figure out what my next steps were. So what I did is I took whatever job I could get and, you know, minimum wage. And I worked while my kids were at school and then looked for something where I could potentially have a future as quick as possible. So just enrolled in the, in actually community college, I just went back and started taking classes. The ironic thing is when I went back, I was actually in a lower math class than my son. So it was a very humbling time.
1: Oh, as I'm sure. Or I would be <laughs> if that were the case. Yeah,
0: my son was only nine.
1: <laughs> I'm exaggerating. No, 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 no. I get it. Believe me, that's not my side of the brain at all. It's intimidating, number one, going back to school, I think, at a certain age. and But I still find it impressive. And were you already thinking at that point about health and wellness and medicine? And was your mom somewhat of an inspiration?
0: Absolutely, it's funny because as a child, my mom had gone back to medical school. Later, I was seven, actually, when mm. she started
1: medical school. Is that right?
0: Yeah. So uh, most of my childhood, my dad was sort of the the parent. My mom was always doing her residency or in school. So it's interesting how my life has sort of unfolded. But I was always around her, and you know, she was always in the back of our minds when we we're eating something. You know, think about nutrition. Think about this. And mm-hmm. sometimes doctors know a little too much, so <laughs> they're looking out for everything. But I also Got the opportunity when all this was happening. My mom left the group she was with to open her own private practice. So I ended up jumping in and helping her with that. And we joke, I mean, it was sort of flying by the seat of our pants at first, but it gave me an opportunity to learn so much from her clinically and how she is with patients. And one of her greatest strengths is she's so connected with patients and she gives them time and is, is there for them. And it obviously is passionate about what she does. So that was a great chance for me to be exposed to that. And I think in some ways, yeah, drew me to it.
1: What does she do again? What is her specialty again, just so we have an understanding?
0: It's called physiatry. And physiatry essentially is musculoskeletal pain management. So she does a lot of trigger points, cortisone shots, things like that.
1: So you were watching that, but you started to gravitate towards cosmetics. And I think you went to work for a cosmetic surgeon not long after you graduated from nursing school.
0: Yeah. And I think part of the the transition for me was when my dad had passed, I, there was a nurse who I really connected with. And so I thought that would be a really neat career to go into and seeing my mom. So I went to the nursing program, got through that. And then once I graduated, I actually had a peer in my class who said, oh, you know, do you want to look into some of these aesthetics courses? And I had the background from modeling. So I knew about you know, beauty. And I love that aspect of things. And I'd seen my mom who uses Botox for muscle spasticity. So I'd had that. Uh-huh. So at that point I ended up going back for that and then changed jobs to work for a plastic surgeon in Stanford. He had a, a freestanding surgery center. So we would have plastics come in. I learned a lot very quickly. I got to be in the OR. I would help circulate things like that. So I got to see the anatomy for number one, And then also learning about the aesthetics from that side of it, too. So I got exposed quickly there. And that was a
1: great time for me. And you had mentioned that being a model in the 90s and working with some of those great accomplished photographers, you felt like you had the opportunity to learn the aesthetics and the contours of the face. Because I feel what you do has so much to do with having a good eye.
0: I agree. And a big part when I was modeling is in those days, you would do a Polaroid to check the lighting. So it was very touched. Mm -hmm. It's so different now. (laughs) But what I think that did for me is it gave me the opportunity to see what the photographers were looking at and what were the angles and how did I need to position my body or tilt my head. And I learned how that sort of stuff works and what you're looking at from an aesthetic standpoint. So when I see someone's face, I'm looking at the structure and I don't want people to look different. I want to enhance who they are and just, you know, replace things that we might be losing over time and and doing things that are preventative so that we prevent that damage from the future, which is makes for less stuff to do later, which is great.
1: Absolutely. So your practice offers a whole slew of things like Botox, as you said, dermal fillers, you do sclerotherapy, cool sculpting, and whatever. I'm sure you're researching also the latest procedures, always with a focus on the natural. So here's my question for you. I always think about this from an injector's point of view. When you have people coming in or a patient that wants to do something that doesn't align with your philosophy of the natural, how do you manage that?
0: It's hard. I I feel like my- represent me too in the community. And I want my work to speak for itself. And there are people that we can sort of, a lot. I have a lot of patients that we just have a discussion about. And I might say, look, let's just start with a little less. We can build. I'm a big builder. I like doing a little bit and building over time. Less
1: is more. And then gradually, if you need more, you can come back. Yeah. Kind of thing.
0: There has been a couple times where People have I've actually just not aligned with me. And I've actually said, you know, I think you should maybe go and make a referral to somebody else, just because it's, it's yeah. a different look than than that's not my strength. And I want to work from a place where I feel like people are number one, safe. That's a huge thing. And a lot of times it can be something being asked me to do that's not safe. And
1: I, I won't do it. Oh, like off label stuff? Or what do you mean specifically?
0: label. But you know, there's things you can do if you put too much in too quickly, you can compress vessels. I mean, there's so many things you don't think about. And in the, in the, in the, there's so much going on in the face. It's not just the skin. So you have to I'm always thinking below that and what arteries there what vessels there, what muscles there, yeah. things
1: like that. And you're currently enrolled in getting your master's to become a nurse practitioner. What do you feel that will do to enhance what you're offering now in your business?
0: Number one, I've had a great opportunity with my through this program to be a nurse practitioner. You do a lot of clinical hours. So I'm having mm-hmm. experiences with these incredible physicians and nurse practitioners, watching them in their practices, learning from them, done the primary care, women's health, pediatric, and you kind of do the whole spectrum. And I think yeah. for me, it's been very helpful because I've always been so focused on aesthetics in the face, and it's giving me a bigger perspective of general health and being safe and understanding what to look for, what to be cautious of. I mean, I had one patient, this was like, I was so happy this happened, but I had one patient who came in and she had a funny looking mark on her chest. And I said, please, you know, just go see a dermatologist, have it looked at. And she called me up the next time after she'd seen the dermatologist and she said it was actually cancer. And she was so grateful that I had pointed it out. So not that I I can't diagnose like that, but at the same time, it made me appreciate the knowledge I have, I can help as a resource and guide people to do the right thing, to be safe and healthy and, and take care of themselves.
1: Absolutely. What do you think your story can do to help inform and maybe someone who's thinking about starting a business like what you're doing? What were some of the toughest roadblocks that you were able to overcome? And just any general nuggets like takeaways for listeners that can apply them?
0: I think the scariest thing, and I have several friends who will attest to this, was when I quit my last job, I was at Greenwich Hospital working. I was the clinical coordinator of their OR there.
1: Mm-hmm. And what does that mean exactly?
0: You're basically on the hook for everything that goes wrong. <laughs> <without>
1: <laughs> <it>. <laughs> no stress at all.
0: <laughs> yeah, my stress level <laughs> was a little high. But it was great, too, because we had plastics there as well. So I got to work with a lot of the doctors there, and I got to know a lot yeah. of people in the, in the community. So, the fear of like letting that go and letting go of that predictable salary was frightening, but I wanted to be able to dedicate myself to Pure. So, I took the leap, and I do think it's important to realize it's scary. You're going to feel scared, you're going to feel apprehensive, but once I did it, you're so sort of committed to it. And then you're looking ahead. At what am I going to do? And how can I grow this? And what, what do I need to do differently? I've certainly learned so much about a business, which I never had known before. So it's been sort of learning as I go. One of the advantages I have is that I started so I had very little
1: overhead and it was just me to start. And that is so key because you were working out of your mom's space.
0: Exactly. I had one exam room. That was my place. And over time, I've now got two other nurses that we've hired. We have three estheticians. So it's grown tremendously, but I've done it very gradually.
1: Yeah, Emma, remind me when you started the business and when did you really start to see it take off?
0: Ironically, it exploded last year with COVID, which was surprising. Really, I even had to shut down for two months during that time. And I've had to decrease the number of people who come through each day. So what happened, I think, is, well, I had been doing it from 2014 to 2019 part-time. So that, right. where I think it was sort of a safe way. I was able to build up and establish a base of patients and build trust. My business is all about trust. I mean, who wants something done to their face if they don't trust them? That's so true. And that was important for me. I I needed time to build that. So then in 2019, I was doing it full-time. So that first year, I think, was a little bit just getting steady on my feet, essentially. Yeah. Then once COVID happened, I think in some way, so I was shut down for two months. Uh, my school shut down. I was a stay-at-home mom and, and a stay-at-home mom. I never had free time either, but right, right, I had downtime. And so I really got into social media, actually. I just, I liked making little videos. So I started just making videos. And a lot of people said that's what sort of got them coming in in the, in the beginning. And that was because I would just go, okay, here's my skincare routine. This is me washing my face in the morning. This is the product yeah. I like. And I went Speaking from a selling standpoint, I was just talking about the products that I like for me and what I like about them. So I think that bumped it. And I think also, ironically, Zoom, I think, has done very well for my business because everybody's looking at themselves.
1: Oh, my God. That is so true. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't have a ring light like I do. <laughs>
0: You see the imperfections. Oh, I I, I tutor people. I'm like, you need a ring light.
1: Oh, you need a ring light. Trust me. (laughs) That is good to hear that actually there was a silver lining for you in terms of marketing from the pandemic, which was obviously so difficult for so many businesses. But you have to see the positives where they exist. Are the boys super proud of you? I mean, it must have been a little hard to have your ex be this big shot rock star type. I mean, you're no slouch. You've done a lot of amazing things, right? But how do you feel now, now that you have created this business, you did this on your own? That's something.
0: It's such a good feeling just to have that autonomy and feel that strength for myself. And in a way, both my boys have talked about my time going back to school. And I think they really respected that. And I think for them, it was a good opportunity for them to see me sort of hit rock bottom and be resilient and come back from it. And I think all of us have to do that in life. And it was a good lesson for them.
1: Yeah. How old are they now? So they're old enough to really kind of talk to you in an adult manner, right? I shouldn't say boys because they're actually men now. (laughs) Yeah. Like I'm the one who should rephrase that. They're both out of college.
0: I still call them boys, my uh, boys.
1: And they're both musicians like their dad
0: exactly both of them both of them and they're very talented
1: good I've seen them on Instagram they're incredible yeah. like natural ability yeah they did not get that from me. <laughs> but but you had that you've had these conversations where they think back and they have these memories of all that you had to go through the time you put in and all the juggling and they respect it.
0: For sure, I think both. Well, I know both of them are incredibly resilient. So my oldest is 25, and when he graduated college, he had studied Russian, and he thought, you know what? I'm going to go to Russia. I want to be fluent. So he's actually been living in St. Petersburg, which I would have never had.
1: How oh, cool! To
0: do my younger son is 21. He's still in college because COVID sort of thrown him for a loop. So. He's at this point, he's kind of figuring things out. Music is his passion too. So my, my older one's touring around in St. Petersburg playing. My younger one, Quinn, is in LA and he's doing his shows and they both are sort of finding their paths, but they're strong and really resilient. And I think I've shown them that you have to be agile in life. You have to be able to, to jump to something else if you need to. If something doesn't work, you have to be okay with, with failing.
1: Yeah, It's okay. Yeah. All those lessons they learned a lot from their mama. <laughs> <laughs> I gave them lots of opportunities. <laughs> oh, I love your story. Let me end this by sending listeners to your website. So remind me what the website is.
0: PureMedicalAesthetics.com.
1: And then Instagram, where's the best place to follow you to keep up?
0: So we have Pure Medical Aesthetics, which is our Instagram. And then I also have my own personal one called Injector Snowball. So that's my maiden name.
1: Right. Because I actually love your videos. I I look to you for ideas because you're super comfortable in front of the camera. And I think that's key. I think just like you said, giving the information, being honest, that's how you gain the trust. So for sure. Well done, lady. It was so fun to have you on Bucket List Careers. Thanks so much for taking the time. before we wrap this episode a special promo to tell you about mention bucket list careers for 10 percent off your first treatment at puremedicalaesthetics.com thank you to emma on behalf of our listeners i'll have a new episode for you next week and don't forget to share this podcast rate review if you're a fan of course we're growing organically more and more listens every week your support means a lot so thank you so much for listening